0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another banger of an episode. It is draft day here on the MBSP. Myself, Joe Nagy, here. With a loaded episode, a lot of Ferris State sports report, and, of course, what everybody's been waiting for. Our mock draft will be coming out today. So if you want to get to that section... Go ahead. You can fast forward. We won't judge you. You can go to the second half of the it. show. You can hit
1: that plus or that plus 10 button. Yeah, you skip can hit a couple get. of
0: times there in the second half of the show. About approximately 30 minutes in or maybe even a little bit less than that, just depending on our fair State sports support, which we'll get into in just a second. But first, thank you all for coming out. Um, last night, Tuesday, uh, the Special Olympics Unified Basketball game. It was a blast. We raised so much money. Pretty sick.
1: Yeah. $726 to be exact.
0: Yeah, with a $1,000 donation as well, so that would be $1,700. $100 and hundred dollars
1: coming from sports careers. Yeah,
0: look at that. So that look much money us. going straight to Area Five Special Olympics. Without you guys, they can't compete. And then they're going to represent in the Special Olympics nationwide coming up. So pretty I sick mean, stuff. Not gonna lie. That's a really really cool thing. I was I was really psyched last night for how well that went and just the the dunk, sick dunk contest. The dunk dude. contest was Mike Cal pulled
1: the quick little uh, East Bay.
0: Ooh. I mean, that, what,
1: that was it which cloud brother was pulled the 360.
0: Uh, Yeah, it would have been was it Nate? I think I think so. One uh, of the football
1: players jumped over somebody. Yeah, jumped
0: sick. over somebody off the lab. I thought that one was going to win it. But then Michael came up and threw down an East base, So that one yeah. kind of won it. But I mean, all around. Well, well done for all of our dunkers and three point contests as well. Shout out to the Black Greek Council for their win in the three point contest as well. And for all the great games overall from that day. It was just an awesome event for an awesome cause. And everybody showed up and it was a pretty good show. I was really happy with how it went and raised a lot of money. And hey, I even got a gift card out of it. That's true. I made my donation and got a gift card from it. Yeah, that silent auction was pretty sick. Oh yeah. Shout out to PR Nutrition that I will be now going to for those those sweet shakes, you know? Mm. So those those are delicious. I'm happy to get some free shakes. I mean, come on. That's just that's just. Good stuff right there. Oh, you for just sure. can't pass that up. Absolutely so, But anyway, into the fair state sports report we go. Uh, not as much over the weekend in retrospect to what's been happening earlier pretty, on this pretty, week. Uh,
1: pretty low on yeah. the old. Yeah, a little bit wise. low. Uh,
0: the major thing: golf was in action. Men's side uh, in the Gleak Championship Tournament. Um, our dogs ending up just short. We fair almost up. had it, finishing second in the runner-up spot to the red-hot Davenport team that really. Played phenomenal. They played exceed, yeah, phenomenal, not they not played phenomenal this season, and their their strong performance on Sunday certainly says that. But kind of uh, killing it. Yeah, I mean overall, team played really well. I know you talked to uh, Tom a little bit, Joe. Uh, yep. Overall, on that as well, um, just seemed like it was working really well early on, and really had everything flowing, and just simply just ran into a really good Panther team that really closed the stretch well.
1: Yeah, I mean Thomas are. I think, yeah, Thomas was ranked first on day one with a really good 67 uh, for the first one. We really came out hot. I think we were only trailing Davenport, who I think led the whole time. Uh, But we played really solid uh, throughout the day. We weren't really uh, making too many mistakes. I think we were only like 12 over, if I'm not mistaken, as a team, or 10 or 12. I think we were in the single digits too. I can't. Uh, I can't really remember too much, but it was still really good to see. We were able to play really solid, and then especially when we got into uh, the championship play for the medal matches, we played really solid against Grand Valley. We were able to win that 3-2, but it was just a falling short against Davenport where I think it was, what, Nathan Nathan and uh, Zach, I think, lost by one or two strokes apiece. Yeah, so very close. It was literally just the difference of one hole, two holes. That would have made the difference. But uh, Thomas played really well, won his matches uh, in the medal matches by, I think it was he lost against uh, his Grand Valley partner and then he beat his Dav his Davenport player I think by five or six so he really made it count when needed but yeah just fell short against Davenport two to three so you can't really be too mad about it but we still played really solid
0: yeah and I think the biggest one on the scorecard you mentioned uh Nate Krennic who played awesome this tournament everybody on on the dog side played awesome this tournament uh I mean we were in the position of just right there I know in his matchup it was tied going into 17 and Davenport, I think it was Capillo, was their number four guy, uh, pulled out an absolute gem of a birdie uh, on 18 to end up winning that hole. And it was just a, a tough thing to see. We were right in that position uh, to make that run and potentially take that away. And then that, that's not saying we like he lost the tournament or anything. I mean, some other guys definitely um, slipped up just a little bit as well. And I think that's like I'm not trying to be hypocritical of them. Like it was a phenomenal performance and just came up short. Um, the expectation of Back to back was definitely in play. Uh, Coach talking to Coach um, Stark as well uh, about that tournament. Overall, we knew that we were in a good position there. It's going to sting because we're in that position, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's just one of those where you come down when it comes down to it, and you're just not able to pull it out. It just stings a little bit. And I mean, our guys played really well, uh, and just simply the the bad hole came on eighteen. That's really that's really what it was. So our guys fought really well and fought hard all the way to the end and took a really good Davenport team all the way into the final holes. And I think that should that should really sum it up because I mean, in reality, I think we took out. I mean, we took out GV in the semifinals, who arguably we thought going into the season were gonna be the rematch of the championship that we'd have to face as the one seed. Which Davenport came out this year and played phenomenal and took that spot. So all well to it, but we still took out a great Grand Valley team on the way there, and that should definitely be mentioned overall on this journey because that that deserves some respect for how good of a team they are as well
1: yeah for sure and uh like you mentioned especially in like the uh, to get to the medal matches davenport was ahead by everybody i think it said they were minus six as a team at yeah. the end of the at the end of the qualification rounds the closest one was da- was grand valley and we they're plus 14 15 and we were right behind them with plus 16 so like when you look at that difference and the disparity of how good they played uh, to see that we to see that we were able to beat two of them in the finals was incredibly impressive
0: yeah that does that shows you right there how truly talented and just flat out mm-hmm. big time performers that Davenport team was the disparity it was the di- incredible
1: the disparity in the first like in the qualifying round Davenport was one with minus 6 grand valley was second with plus 15 so a close 20 stroke de- difference uh, or 21-stroke difference uh, for that. Uh, Ferris State was next with plus 16, and then Northwood was four with plus
0: 25. Yep. Ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And I and I and that should even, like, we were that close to beating that team that was 20 strokes ahead of us, and that's what stings the most. Not necessarily, like, losing it, because they really didn't lose it. It just came in the wrong hole, right? hmm But the idea of we took that team that was that dominant into holes 16, 17, and 18. Should definitely get the respect. Are we ultimately going to have the trophy again? No, but I think that proves just how good of a team this was. And, I mean, they certainly put up a fight, and you got to give Davenport credit. Um, and then it's going to be interesting to see how now it goes over on the women's side. And there's, uh, some definitely some titles that could be won on the women's side as well, because they're showing some pretty good potential down the stretch and playing really well. And they might not be as ranked high as the men's side, but they can still put down some great performances, and I'm sure that's what they're expecting this weekend. Yep, I'm
1: really excited mm-hmm. for this weekend too. Going to be a solid weekend of, uh, of good GLIAC play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I should be pretty warm too. I mean, last last weekend was kind of hit her. Warm
1: up a little bit. It's supposed to be nice today. Rain a little bit tomorrow. Get again, get nice again over the weekend. Yeah, I, think, I is believe is what the forecast was saying.
0: Yeah, as long as it stays true, Mother I'm Nature. Let me check up
1: WZZM on your side.
0: Yeah, please, please check and make sure because I know last. I mean, I guess going into the track and field where this was really relevant. Uh, literally we had, so we had two split squad meets for, um, members of each team to go, um, as far as, um, split competition wise. Uh, one group went down to Siena on Thursday and yeah, it was like 30 mile per hour wins pretty much in what I have frankly transparently said it was a pretty poor planned meet overall. Like they literally went so late in between, like events and kept pushing time back. They couldn't even throw discus like discus was just canceled because Hmm. they didn't have lights by the time that everything was pushed back on their field. And it was pretty much to the point where it's like, yeah, nobody can throw. And so they canceled discus all together. So oh, it wasn't a very great meet overall. But just the weather in general made it just that much worse over the weekend. But still some great performances. Uh, I mean, overall, a lot of good debuts. And like some guys have mine in the 10K uh, that did pretty solid. The 5K as well. Uh, overall, a lot of good finishes as well. And the field events, uh, Just Kino fourth in the jab. Uh, Forest Acres fifth. And Jake Zemmett a sixth in the shot put. Uh, Kevin Durant eighth in the the hammer throw. Uh, Brianna Copley won the shot put. Emma's Fan third in the hammer throw. And Claudia Wilkinson placed fifth in the high jump. Just for the field events, uh, a lot of other good times as well from uh, that Sienna Heights meet. But overall, you take it with a grain of salt because uh, battling elements was an understatement in the in the meet overall. Just so much wind from what I had heard from teammates and others that were at the meet as well from opposing teams. And it just sounded really nasty. So just getting through that, mm-hmm. and I mean, for a lot of a lot of um, people being able to do a different event um, and get that experience in a different event as well that they're normally uh, running here in midseason, uh, definitely a good thing. And I think that really shows a lot. When it comes to like, you're gonna be looking at times back and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I ran so slow at this meet. But then you're like, oh yeah, it was Sienna and it was 20 miles per hour winds in a, in a new event and all those sort of things. So you can definitely take that with grain of salt. Sound like a fun meet overall, um, but still. A lot of good performances, nonetheless, battling the elements was definitely an issue. But the the second half, including myself, were at the Bison Outdoor Classic in Bucknell, lovely Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And yeah, I will tell you what, it was absolutely beautiful. It was honestly too beautiful. It was 65 and sunny. Mm. And I was, like, sweating profusely, and it felt like we were back indoors. It was just such a temperature change. Because when we left, I think, on Wednesday, like, literally, it was, like, 35 degrees when we ran on Wednesday or our Thursday. Uh, it was just insane. But... A lot of great times overall. It was so much good competition there. It was really fun just to sit back and watch uh, a lot of these D1, Elite, D2, D3 uh, men and women being able to just rip on a lot of these distance events. It was really cool. But uh, Danae Feldwatch, 24th in the, the 1,500 meters at 447. Callie Delaney, 57th. Daisy England, 67th. And I know those those numbers don't sound very good but in reality a lot of these events had 200 people in them that's something that to take consideration and all these times for them i believe were PRs or at least close to prs as well uh hannah brock 37th in the 5k sydney kubiak 47th that's a 10 place gap but it was only like 18 seconds that just shows you how many people were there as well uh including uh, uh some other guys on the men's side as well uh dan hardesty and uh don't know a Griffith placing in the top 70s for the 1500 uh, down at 73rd in the five K and then myself's 28th in the steeple chase. It was definitely a fun time. Uh, a lot of good times, a lot good of good job, competition. Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. It was a fun race. I really enjoyed being able to, to run in that race just for the high quality of competition in the steeple is something that you don't see because it's just such a, a low it's really just a low specified uh population of people that literally do steeplechase. because i mean there's only usually one heat of like seven or eight people at every meet where other where other events have two three four heats so just to have that many people to compete against was just a blessing and i was really fortunate to get to this meet and really able to to put down what i thought was a really good time i thought i thought it was a really good race it was very tough for sure on the back half but uh, certainly able to make some strides there and it'll be good We're going into this weekend going to gv al owens should be a fun race and uh gonna be looking forward to, uh, to putting down a pretty good 5k as well as like i think half my teammates are doing this weekend i think it's <laughs> gonna be a loaded dog 5k this weekend over at al owens
1: yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to see you guys race too. Especially like it's supposed to be sorta nice this weekend. So yeah, we'll it's, see how it is.
0: It might be 75. It might be 50 and snowing. Honestly, I don't even know. Dude, at this let,
1: point. let me tell you what. I had my uh indoor soccer or my indoor why did I say that my intramural soccer game. Dude, that was like sleet and like it was it started out fine like it was only like 35 so I was like oh I can rock shorts for this like it'll be fine like I can play. And then it started to, like sleet and like oh. snow and stuff. It got all like wet and I was like, "Oh, this is not fun."
0: Yeah, that is. We such... won though,
1: eleven to eleven to four. Your wow. boy got two goals. You know how it is.
0: Look at that! I want. I gotta get back into soccer. It's such a fun sport. People say it's boring. You guys can. You guys can shut it. It's a oh, great yeah. sport overall. Soccer's you fun. just need the patience for it. That's really all it is. But yeah, it was weird coming home from Pennsylvania. So we left on us. Uh, we did our run on Saturday morning and then came back, and. It was 65 or like 67, um, uh-huh. like that morning, or it, was, it might have been a little bit cooler, but it was like one time we got home into the parking lot at like nine, it was 28 degrees and I was still in my shorts and I was just like shivering out there, uh, but we made a home in one piece, no hypothermia uh, today, no sir. And moving on to the next one, so going to be fun. But uh, finishing out the Pharisee Sports Report, tennis was in action this weekend on the court. Um, some pretty solid performances. Uh, Wayne State uh, got us on the men's side and women's side. Uh, a very talented team that played really well on her home court um, on Saturday, but still able to get a split as well for men and women on on Friday at Northwood. Um, two talented teams. We talked about this going in the previews that these were teams that you got to beat and cuz they're going to be that high quality of a team and, and both teams really showed it. They played really well against us and I think that this is not not a bump in the it's this is not a yeah, you know, torch the train tracks. Just a little bump. Get back on the rails and then keep moving again. Mm-hmm. And I think the good thing
1: too is especially for the women's side. I mean, two tough losses, but you got Saginaw coming to town and we got a pretty solid uh, little dedication ceremony as well that's going to happen before. So, it's going to be a busy day for them that day, but I think they'll be able to pull it out. But for the men's side too, like it just the I feel like we were just such on, like, a roll and, like, a run that we just were, like, I don't know. I also wasn't there. So, like, I couldn't really tell. But, like, just as, like, a fan and somebody who's watching the game, it's like we were almost dominating everybody so much that it was just, like, it was kind of expected. Yeah. And I think it was due for one. I think it's, it's not the greatest that it happened on the last regular season game. But the one good thing, I guess you could say, is, like, we got the hiccup out of the way. Yeah. Right? I mean... Matisse and Jan played really well in the doubles, but other than that, I feel like we just kind of didn't play super well on the singles side. If you look back at kind of the stat sheet and stuff like that, I mean, Matisse didn't play super well on the singles, 6-0, 6-2. Uh, but then again, I don't know how far he went in those games like because like, it doesn't really say on the stat sheet too much, and they didn't really have a live stream either that I could watch. But still played pretty solid all throughout. I mean, we were pretty close for some of the other other singles. I mean, Janik took uh his uh, guy, Nicholas Carks, hopefully I said that right, to 6-4 and 6-3. Uh, ended up losing it but I mean still it's a pretty solid game but I think if we just come into the X the with I think high expectations but also understanding like this is playoff time like everybody's here to win and it's a zero-zero 0 record it doesn't matter who like is on the bottom of the table who's on the top I think if we go into it it's especially going to be at Northwood so just having the right mindset is going to be important.
0: Yeah absolutely and I think the the biggest thing too uh, is exactly what you mentioned that you you treat this as like just a bump in the road because I I like honestly the what you just said was right exactly what was in my mind of when you go into kind of just looking at this this last couple of weeks as a whole we were playing so well it was almost like we were due for a bad day you know there's mm-hmm. always there's always those those times in, in any sports team I mean every every sport we've had uh overall has gone through a slump like this it's natural in sport altogether uh so you do understand that 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 stuff happens all the time so. Uh, simply what are you going to respond with is really what we're wondering uh, about this team because we know that they're going to fight. They're going to be a determined team to get back on track, and we have no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, just you know, you're coming back home. You might you can get that reset a little bit. Uh, you're going to have the court dedication, so you're playing for something. We're really, pretty much more than yourself going into that game. Shout out to uh, to in honor of Coach Eddie Luck as well because that's going to be a really cool court dedication as you mentioned. Uh, but using that. That, that reset, that comfort of, hey, we're coming back home. We're going to be playing teams that we know we can compete with. Yeah, what happened last weekend happened last weekend. Put it in the back. We're still one of the best teams in the GLIAC. We can show that, and we're going to be taking out a team in Saginaw Valley that really, like, we, we definitely can put up a good fight against, and we have the potential to beat. There's no question about it. And just going into that mindset, playing the best tennis you can play that day, and put yourself in a position to succeed overall. Mm-hmm. and
1: yeah, it's going to start with doubles especially with it being a tournament style and stuff like that with I mean all the teams in the GLIAC coming to town I think it's just the important part is uh, starting off right where we know is right and that's been doubles all year once we once we win doubles we've won every match so I think that's the important part because I mean the only one that we've lost that we haven't won do- or the at least in the GLIAC that we haven't won doubles is Wayne State so I think when we come in i don't think the bracket has been released yet of who's playing who because I think there's still like one regular... I think the men have... I think there's one more Gliac team that has a game this weekend or two Gliac teams that have games this weekend that they have to play each other, but... Once that get released, we'll make sure to get that out to you guys. But it's still going to be really solid uh, tournament. A lot of talented teams. I think it's going to be solid to watch out for Northwood, Wayne State, of course. Davenport is going to be one I think we should watch out for. Uh, Grand Valley as well. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty competitive. Michigan Tech, too, it's a pretty young team that they have, but they're going to be solid as well. But So some pretty some pretty solid competition coming GLIAC tournament-wise for the tennis.
0: Yeah, finishing up the regular season, and then next week is GLIAC tournament, basically. So uh, I switched, Or for the women's side, I should say. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a dog fight for sure and I think that's gonna be really something interested to watch and if you guys haven't seen uh, playoff tennis it gets intense so it, it is definitely a joy to watch and you can definitely follow them on Facebook as well and, and being able to cheer on the dogs as we enter postseason play all around postseason is coming whether you like it or not the semester's coming to an end as well thank goodness I mean it's been a long spring semester it feels like even though it's gone by in the blink of an eye. But I know me and Joe are excited to get done with this semester and being able to get to summer and our cool opportunities coming up uh, for sure. And we thank you guys for making the show wait. possible for sure. But before we get into the NFL mock draft, one thing I wanted to say, shout out to the Fair State disc golf team as well, competing at nationals um, just a couple of weeks ago. It was a really cruddy situation that happened to them based off of what I heard from um, of some people that were on the team as well and of just kind of rumors swirling around of we're a top tier disc golf team. In the, in the entire nation, if people didn't know that. Like, four-time national champions and one last year. Yeah, if you haven't year.
1: seen the banners on the wreck, dude. Yeah, they're, they're a
0: legit team. And there was a lot of, like, question swirling on... We were leading after round one and then round two. It seemed like we just dropped out of the tournament altogether. And apparently, rumor reports was that the PDGA did not have one of the players registered correctly. So they ended up forfeiting the team's score overall. And if that is the case, then I don't need to even say my piece on how travesty of an organization the PDGA is because I've already had experience seeing this watch following this golf, especially during COVID last year, um, which helped me get through the quarantine for sure and just learning a lot of the stuff that happened there going on. There's a reason the DGPT took over, and all the Disco fans that are following this podcast, you guys are you guys are awesome. And just for that snippet for you, they would agree with me on this situation because it's been pretty much qualified all the way around. The, the PDGA has made some bad decisions. Right now, they're losing the sport altogether. And just a lot of these things, if that was the case, uh, it was on their end that they were misregistered, er, then that's just a shame and that shouldn't be on that shouldn't be on our team altogether and it was one guy apparently and he wasn't even in the team scoring but it affected mm. the entire team altogether in that process i don't see how that's fair you took away a potential national championship from us that's all i'm going to say about that and that's all you need to say to the show about how that organization works all together. Sorry for my rant, but I get need to be Get the sucked. PDGA out of here. Out of get here. Get them out of here. Out of here. Yeah, get them out of here. That's ridiculous. So shout out to all the, the disc golf guys as well. You guys really played really well. As well as Fair State Club Baseball. I know they follow us as well. Shout out to them for some good performances uh-huh. too over this season as well. They've been playing really well. So, so but anyway, it's, it's time. You ready, Joe? Mock draft, baby. Let's get it rolling. Buckle up. Mock draft. Stay here. Over the past two years, this show has changed a lot, but one thing that has always stayed the same is our podcast platform and distributor. Anchor.fm is the one-stop shop to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, there's built in uploading options and editing tools that you can make and create and publish your episodes with ease and have all sorts of exclusive options, as well as sponsorships, subscriptions, and even monetize ads as well. You can have all the analytics, all the insights to make your show number one. So if you're thinking about making a podcast, look first at Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm.
1: and we return with the mock draft portion of the episode one of the most looked forward to parts of the episode that we have always had uh, for us too we love doing it uh, the, what three years that we've been doing this podcast or something like that so we love doing the mock draft it's always a blast a little bit different this year we're going to go all picks brandon's going to get the number one i'm going to get the number two and then he's going to stick with the odd numbers I'm going to stick with the even numbers, so it's going to be a pretty solid. We're doing, uh, what is it, old town rules. Once a player gets picked, no picking them. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Once you get it, we'll kind of try to keep it in order, keep track of it, so that way we don't do two picks in a row or something like that where we have any overlap, but... Let's just get right on into it, Brandon. 2022 NFL mock draft. It's in eight days, but our draft is today.
0: Do 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 do. The pick
1: is in. The pick is in. Jacksonville has the first pick.
0: Overall, yes. And just to clarify, we are t- picking based off of what we believe the team will do. We'll obviously get our thoughts on what they should do because we are the greatest team NFL needs. experts. It this has a GM for every team. Time. GM for every team. Yeah. This really is a no-brainer, and especially as a Lions fan, would we want this to happen? No, and we know exactly what will probably happen, and we know we won't like what it'll happen. But in the end of the day, Jacksonville has no reason not to pick Aiden Hutchinson and this spot, that they're in a position they need a star-studded defense and that's really what got him there. Saxonville was an elite defensive team. Took Blake Bortles to the AFC title game. I mean, that's that just should show you immediately how good this team can be. Um, but obviously, it's a new era for them. Completely new era in the Urban Meyer era is now thrown in the garbage set of fire with a pound of kerosene inside. Yes, pound. That is not a liquid measure, but, yes, it should be in this case of how travesty yeah, of it Sixteen ounces. that was.
1: 16 ounces for you. Yeah, math majors out there. Majors. We can
0: still do math, Joe, but, yeah, in Hutchinson, got the work ethic. He's got the skill. And he really is going to be a star-studded player. It's surprising how high he's shot up on the draft boards. I mean, I know I'm a Michigan fan, and I can obviously um, definitely like lift him up bias-wise. But, I mean, the guy had one of the best seasons as far as an edge defender has in the last five years in college football. So, I mean, 14 sacks should speak for itself and really against any tackle. He had a couple games where he struggled a little bit, especially in the semis game. But Georgia had an elite offensive line as well. Shouldn't really get that too much down. Jack should pick Aiden Hutchinson because he can change a franchise around for sure.
1: That's unfortunate. I was going to pick Aiden Aiden Hutchinson (laughs) as well. But uh, for my pick, that's a good pick, Brandon. I think Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is going to make a pretty solid impact, even if Jacksonville doesn't take him and Detroit takes him in the actual draft. It's going to be a pretty solid impact that he'll make for both teams. I can't pick him, so we'll go with who my next pick was. I was hoping that Detroit was going to go with a defensive edge rusher, and there's a solid uh, amount in the draft that are solid at their position. So it's going to be a quite the choice that they can make. In recent news, I'm still going to go with him, but recent news, he might not be a great fit culture-wise, but I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau okay. out of Oregon, the edge rusher uh, sophomore. I think he's going to... He has the talent and he has the ability. He's a monster of a man, and he's ridiculously good at his position. But the only thing that would be the problem is, is that I don't know if he's going to be a culture fit. Now that the news has come out, uh, kind of that with his meetings that he's had with the team and stuff like that, they might be going different ways. So Detroit's going to have a little bit of a situation on their hands if Aiden Hutchinson gets taken number one. What are they going to do in the actual draft? Are they going to go for a quarterback? Are they going to wait for that for the end of or for their second pick? We'll see. But Kayvon Thibodeau is who I'm going with, Ed Rusher out of Oregon.
0: Yeah, that's a good pick, and I'm glad you mentioned that up because that was surprising news coming out a couple days ago that apparently Dan Campbell does not like Kayvon Thibodeau. But whoever gets Kayvon Thibodeau overall, I mean, I think the Lions fans wouldn't mind having him. He's not a culture fit. That's obviously a different Mm -hmm. story. But as a football player, that guy can wreak havoc. And I think that's something that he will do at the next level. I know he – he really, I think it was, he really uh, models himself after uh, G- Jadavian Clowney, which we know uh, originally that Trayvon Walker would go to Detroit, and then the perfect spot for him would be in Houston to kind of re- restart that cycle of a career and kind of model that one forward just like uh, Clowney did. But I think that's a good pick overall. Mm-hmm. I think the, the edge rush is what the Lions truly need in this draft, and I think we can obviously make the arguments later on about quarterback and whatever. That just the quarterbacks don't seem like they're high enough for Detroit at this moment yeah. in time. because we're doing okay with Jared Goff. It's not like we're in a position like the Falcons right now where we don't need to the walls are gonna that. fall yeah. down with like anything like that. So I, I think there's I think there's fine for a stopgap. And I mean, I, I, if I were to guess you, Joe, if I were to read you, we might see who they're picking on for a quarterback later in this mock draft. We'll just have to wait and see. Though. We'll
1: see who but it is. Number over, three. Number three pick Houston, is in. Houston Houston's Texans up.
0: Ah, this is a tough one. There's so many ways that they could go in this when I'm looking. You better not take my pick. Oh, I'm probably going to. I think that you have to address the tackle position in this spot. I think Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner can definitely be mentioned up there in the cornerback spot for Houston. But I I think they got a a lot of good pieces there that they can, they can develop overall with guys like Desmond King and Lonnie Johnson as well. But I think right now you want to start set of tackle. You want to start the foundation up with Davis Mills, or at least try to, and if not, the next quarterback coming in. And I think there's really a coin flip on which one you go with here. I'm going to go with probably what is considered the most polished guy in Evan Neal. He was originally the top guy. We had Ikkyo Kongwu that flew up the draft boards a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, Evan Neal is just a fantastic player nonetheless. I mean, the guy's huge, 6'7", 350, uh, and he can move, and I think that is a great fit for them. And I think overall you like what you see with him um, on both sides. He's really solid on both off- or uh, run block and pass block. Um, overall, his grades have been good. There's some work that he could use, but I think there's still no question that he can make an impact whether he gets cut to left tackle or if he starts out a right tackle. He's he's mobile enough, he's big enough and he can he's really been able to be able to translate that over early on in his college career and I think he'd do so at the next level.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that pick a lot. I think he's going to be doing really well. Texans just need a lot of a lot of pieces. And I think, yeah, like you said, kind of making it so that way you can build from the interior, then kind of move out is going to be their best choice. And especially any offensive tackle from Alabama usually is able to kind of transfer over and they're able to accept the cultures of the team that they go in. So good. Good pick, Bran. I like it.
0: Number four, the Jets.
1: The Jets have the pick and you know who I'm going with. You said you said it. you got me get me scared a little bit, but I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner. They need, a, they need a they need a cornerback. Uh their defense have kind of been struggling a little bit. And uh, it's kind of been one of the main reasons why they've been losing games. Uh Zach uh whatever his name is. Zach I forget his name. Uh-huh. Their quarterback, Daniel Jones.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, the Jets. I, yeah, the Jets. Zach Wilson. It's Zach Wilson. Correct, I was going to say yeah. Zach White. But I'm already thinking ahead on my next a mix pick. Between that's why
1: Zach Wilson has been pretty all right. And, I mean, they've been able to kind of have a little bit of success on the offensive side. But it's just been their defense that's kind of been slowing down. And who better than arguably the best cornerback in the draft right now and arguably the best cornerback in college football ever, not le- allowing a single touchdown his whole career in college, despite starting as a freshman, which is insane as well as, I mean, he was able to get a few interceptions. He's a danger there. And I think he's going to be doing really well. He's got the he's got the attitude for it. He's got the confidence. And I think he'll be really be able to kind of fit the mold, especially since Cincinnati kind of started out as the underdogs. A lot of people didn't think that they were going to even make the college football championship. But then they were able to anyways. And, I mean, the Jets are that perfect... St- perfect fit right now they're in that same boat they're not really having any expectations i think he's going to do really well there and i think with just his talent and like i said his attitude i think he'll be making the starting spot when it comes fall uh and when it comes season time so sauce gardner sauce ahmad gardner the 6'3 190 uh cornerback is going to go to the jets
0: yeah, that's a good pick. I like that one. I think Sauce Gardner is one of the best players in this class, and I think the Lions would not would be in a position to take them if we didn't have the Jeff Okuda experiment starting to go down yeah. the spiral a little bit, but he's still a fantastic player. Uh, number five, the Giants. As I was thinking ahead when I mentioned Daniel Jones, the Jets' starting quarterback, um, I think there's definitely a position where you have a new GM, you have a new coach, but I think you're going to stick with a similar philosophy as far as what you need for this team right now. You have Saquon. You have a lot of good receivers. The problem is health. And big a big part of that has become with blocking. And I think especially with Daniel Jones and especially with Saquon Barkley, you got to protect those guys. So you got to get them uh, another tackle aside of Andrew Thomas. So I think it's really a pick here where you go with um, Charles Cross or Ikio Kongwu. I'm going to go with Kwangwu Kongwu uh, solely because I think what the Giants really want They have a guy that's truly developed. I think they have somebody that um, is going to be that solid foundation as far as fundamental-wise with um, Andrew Thomas, but you don't have a guy that can fly up the board and have that potential later on that could potentially move to left tackle or can be right tackle as well. Ikkyo Kong was a really flexible guy as far as he can play both sides, I think. And, I mean, run blocking-wise, he's the best in this draft. And I think that's what you're going to build on to keep Saquon there and to keep him happy. So, Ikkyo Kong with the number five pick. I think they could have went Ed Rudge in, edge rush in this pick, but I got them two picks later. So, you just might have to wait and see mm-hmm. where I go with mm-hmm. them that one. But now Joe's got an interesting mm-hmm. pick here. We got the Carolina Panthers on deck who may be the first team to strike on a QB. That
1: is true. I mean, that's what they desperately need is quarterback or an offensive tackle. So it kind of depends on those two. But I think I'm going to go with a quarterback here. The one that was sticking out to me the most, especially kind of in this whole season, and the one that I think will kind of be able to adopt that NFL kind of talent-wise and be able to move into that, got to go with Malik Willis. Mm. I think he's going to be the one that will fit that pretty well, especially being, I mean, he played wow. football at Liberty, so he's kind of familiar with the with the area, I guess, so there's going to be a little bit of that familiarity there. But I think he's going to be able to fit that scheme pretty well. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the quarterback class in general. This whole this draft, there's not really too many that stick out. I mean, you can talk about Kenny Pickett. You can talk about... Uh, what Matt Matt Carroll or whatever, but I think Malik Willis is going to be the probably the first quarterback taking the draft, and I think Carolina is going to make the jump on him, especially seeing that they're one of the only teams or one of the first teams that need a quarterback. So Malik Willis is going to go for me, especially seeing that he was able to do pretty well for Liberty. They don't have the strongest conference, yeah, but I think those guys who are going to be coming from those lower schools are going to be pretty solid uh, when it comes down to uh the uh. Transferability yes. to NFL type competition.
0: Yeah, Malik Willis hasn't had the the same amount of competition level as a lot of these other quarterbacks, like Kenny Pickett um, or Desmond Ritter in this college football playoff. Mm-hmm. But he has the intangibles that you want, right? Fantastic guy overall. I mean, we saw that from the draft process. He's got the he's got a lot of the intangibles. He's got a really good arm. He can move. Uh, he's got pretty, pretty good instincts. Sometimes there are he forced the football a little bit, but that's definitely one you can understand based off of. He's trying to get Liberty to the next level right, so he's going to try to make the throws that aren't there. And that was kind of something that we saw, on, uh, I, at least I saw in a lot of his highlights on tape overall, looking at some of these things going in the mock draft. But I think you take that with a grain of salt. And with a guy like Matt Rule that, um, that hasn't necessarily had the experience developing quarterback, um, and you definitely have that position of, Maybe he could step in and, and help out a little bit. But if you're Carolina, I think David Tepper, they need a quarterback. They They need a guy that can really develop a potential quarterback going in. And I think you have you have a little bit of experience there with Ben McAdoo, but I think overall you just got to take a guy that you can you can start to work in there, and you still have Sam Darnold as well that you can put in there as well, and you have some guys that you can you can be able to uh, take that roam for a little while. But I think that's still probably Carolina needs quarterback for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, the seventh pick, I have the Giants once again, another pleasurable pick for the New York Football Giants, and in this spot really. 5-7 and seven can be flip-flop, especially if Carolina does go with a quarterback. I was a little bit concerned you might go offensive line, so that's why I picked Icky first, uh, and their other need definitely is an edge rusher, and the fact that Trayvon Walker's still on the board makes this one pretty easy on paper for me on what they sh- what they can do. I'd be interested to see if they maybe even go with a potential linebacker, but because I think that they definitely need one moving forward on that team overall, but I think you with Trayvon Walker, he brings some flexibility. He's going to get after the quarterback, and that's what this team needs with a good deal defense that they had a couple years ago and they still have a lot of those pieces there and I think with Trayvon Walker you're gonna get a guy that can play really well in those big games and then that's something that this team um, has been able to thrive on ironically at the end of season making it mm-hmm. close so that's a guy that's gonna fit right in um, a guy that had seven pressures in the national championship game by itself should show you that um, overall he can he can use some work a little bit um, as far as the runs defense but that's something you can work on with a lot of the that defensive line, like Leonard Williams, can get and be able to mentor him with. So Trayvon Walker to number seven, uh, Giants. Really, I think you're going to see you're going to see both sides of the line with five and seven. Just flip flop, and we'll mm-hmm. see which order they go with first.
1: And I think too, what they can really do with that, especially for his development, is trying to make it so he can kind of develop into that uh, pass breakup type deal Mm -hmm. because he was more of the rusher and stuff like that. And he was able to get a lot of kind of rushing the passers and stuff like that. And that's what he knows how to do. uh, And that's what he'll be able to figure out in the NFL and especially these top tier coaches. But I think developing him into a guy who can kind of recognize the situation, drop back a little bit and work on that pass breakup is going to be a big thing as well.
0: I would watch out though. Kayvon Thibodeau drops. Giants will probably be the first team to scoop him up, to be honest. If they pass him up, then I think there's something wrong. Because the Giants, it sounds like, really love Kayvon Thibodeau. So if he drops and he's not number two, mm-hmm. and let's say the Lions take Trayvon Walker, I would not be surprised if Kayvon gets swooped up by the Giants as well. Because I think that they're a team that's he really fits with, with that, that wrecking mentality off the edge. And they got the firm foundation, and he's a better rush defender than Trayvon Walker mm-hmm. is. So I think that's another good pick for them. But number eight, the Falcons, Joe. This is Aaron. a tough spot as well, kind of similar need, to like, the Panthers.
1: They need like everything to yeah, be honest. True. They need defense. They need uh, wide receivers. They need quarterbacks. They need just a little bit of everything. And like the question really is, just kind of like what what they want to start building because they have so many different things that they can do. I'm torn because I can either go with the Chris Olave type situation and get a wide receiver there who he was able to have a couple breakout games this year and have a pretty solid grade uh, throughout the whole uh, season. Uh, I could go with, I mean, they need some kind of, they need some type of defense. Uh, That's not like their main type need, but they could still go for it. I don't know if they'd go for it this early. Uh, but, I mean, you could maybe do a Jordan Davis type situation there. But I think I'm going to have to go back to back with a quarterback for my picks. And the question is, which one? I honestly like Kenny Pickett for this situation, seeing that he was able to kind of, he doesn't have the wide receivers he needs yet, so he can have the ability to scramble. And we've seen that uh, on his talent for that, uh, which is going to be important. He does have Kyle Pitts there for the tight end, so he can be able to dish it off and stuff. And he has the ability to be accurate. But I think I'm going to go Kenny Pickett here, mainly because right now he can get out of the pocket and he can kind of, he has some sort of protection a little bit. They have a not a terrible offensive line, so he's going to be pretty solid there. Uh, but if need be, he can get out of the pocket scramble. He can make do with the wide receivers he has. And then I think later on the later on the draft, kind of draft the wide receiver or something like that, try to get somebody there, or maybe wait for next year for a more heavy wide receiver draft class.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. I think that there's definitely a need there um, for, the, for the Falcons at that spot. So I think you definitely can understand that. Uh, moving forward and I mean if you're going to take a quarterback especially the way that the draft has evolved now that if you're going to get one you got to get it early right you got to mm-hmm. trade up you got to fork up some of the future for one guy which is extremely interesting how that philosophy has changed over the years because I mean there's good quarterbacks they can get late Lamar Jackson Dan Marino you can go in all the way in between and still get great guys but it always seems like the first end of the first round is always going to be where these quarterbacks are taking the first top end, I should say, Mm -hmm. of the first round. But Seattle on the clock with number nine. No rust, no more. Um, They have definitely, I think, really touched on the defense um, in that trade. And I guess there's really not not much else you could look out of that scenario besides just a a fire start rebuild. But I think there's one thing that in this spot is very interesting. I mean, they got Noah Fant. Uh, Quarterback is definitely the prime play. If Malik Willis falls, that will be very intriguing. But I think in this situation... I'm gonna be boring. I'm gonna have. You're gonna them. go
1: with what what what's expected here.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a. Who need. you rocking with? I think there's a need for corner, and I think there's a need for O line in this spot because, I think they're they're in a spot where. They don't need a quarterback, I feel like, in this spot because you're going to be reaching. So you're either going to trade back in this scenario, um, maybe let a team go up, maybe potentially like you could probably maybe the Steelers are going to come up here and try to get Kenny Pickett if he's available, if Malik Willis goes to Atlanta. Um, But in this spot... I think what you look at the board, I'm going to be boring here. I'm going to have them take Charles Cross in this position at the tackle because they desperately will. They desperately need offensive line. Um, a lot of their good pieces from a year ago with the Marshawn Lynch regime um, and that offensive line are gone, and I think they need to reestablish that in the rebuild moving forward. So I know, ladies, I'm sorry. It's so boring, but I think this could be a good spot for Derek Stingley as well or a corner if they fall uh, I think is also a good spot. But I think with their secondary, I think that they're – I think they're okay to address that in the later rounds because there's a lot of good corners later in the draft as well. I think there's only a couple elite offensive tackles in this spot, and they're definitely coming in the top ten. So you pick one of those later. You go with a guy later, maybe even like Daxton Hill, for example, Kara Lamp from uh, Florida, Andrew Booth, that you're going to probably be able to see later on maybe in the second round and still have that pretty good overall value. Yeah, for sure. That's a solid pick. pick. Solid pick. I appreciate it. We've had some solid picks so far. Yeah,
1: there's been pretty good... I mean, it's been a pretty good, like, disparity, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I like, like, what, I like uh, pick most, 10, Jets. Yeah. Okay, so rocking it back with the Jets, number two, had him at number four, took Sauce Guard, and I'm going to stick on the defensive side oh. uh, because they kind of need that more than anything, like I said already in my point. So, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. This is kind of a sleeper pick, but I'm going to take George Carlasis wow. out of Purdue. And let me tell you what, all right, I went to two Purdue games this year at Purdue, and this guy, pretty solid. He's pretty solid, not going to lie. He was one of the main reasons why they were able to keep uh, Michigan State uh, kind of down on the passing game, and then they were able to kind of plug up uh, uh, what's Kenny, Kenneth Walker. I was going to say Kenny Pickett, but that's not true. Uh, they were able to plug up Kenny Walker. So he's a guy who was able to really kind of make an impact there. He played. He, he's an Iron Man, so you can just play as many snaps as you want him to. And I think especially with kind of the way Purdue football has been morphing these past couple of years, they've been a team that are just dogs and have been able to really just kind of make impacts. I mean, you got David Blau, who is the backup, but he's still able. one. Of, he's one of the guys who is kind of picking it up on the backside of the of the Detroit kind of culture-wise, and he's able to lead them. So a lot of these Purdue guys that are coming out of college, they're sleeper picks, but I like him, and I kind of am excited to see what he's going to do. So I'm going to have him go to the Jets uh, for number 10. We'll see if they pick him, but... Still, I think it's going to be pretty solid.
0: Wow, wow. good. I, I was not expecting that pick. I was expecting to go receiver in that spot. But, hey, still a pretty good solid pick there, number 10. George Karloftis is a guy that I'll be interested to see where he goes because I think he's getting very undervalued. Like, I think that everybody's expecting him to fall the late second round. But, I mean... the first three edge rushers could be gone the first five picks like that's just a reality in this and if not definitely top seven if not even possible top 10 so i think that's a definite interesting spot and if you're going to want one there's a lot of teams behind as well like the the vikings for example that are going to be looking for an edge now uh that they've moved on uh, from um uh, from daniel hunter i should say but uh anyway washington with pick 11 uh i think you're in a spot here I think the honestly this would be a, a perfect case scenario um from what I've heard and from what I think that there you see with the board and obviously the board plays such a bigger factor like cuz we can we can tee these up perfectly but the draft board's going to be completely different than the 72 times you mock before the the actual draft starts there's going to be a surprise pick and there's going to be a surprise player that is still on the board and in this case for Washington I think that they should roll the dice and take Kyle Hamilton in this spot. I think he'd be a good fit um, for that secondary. I know they got Bobby McClain. They got Cameron Curl there currently. um, And I think that they're in in an all right spot of safety. But you got a home run guy that I think from what I've read, um, I think would be in a perfect spot for him. Um, I think the value is, I think he he was arguably going to be a top five pick. You get him at 11. I think that's there. Um, But I think that he can make your your secondary a lot more versatile and you can be able to really now being able to lock down a lot of these other NFC East teams are going to be loaded at receiver. Because I, mean, I think there's no question. Uh, obviously, me and Joe, this one, the, the Eagles picks will be interesting because we're going to have to tag team on that one since they're 15 and 18. Um, but a lot of those NFC East teams are going to be loading up on receivers, and they're going to be trying to throw the ball all over the place. So naturally, you to got to load up so you can hang on. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's I think what that's saying. I can just see them going receiver as well. Jameson Williams is still on the board. Drake London would be a perfect pick for them. Uh I just think that they they, got they got might a lot just have of, they got Kyle a lot of possibilities.
1: Like, they're not a team who has like exactly one like need or whatever. Like one like desperate need yeah. or whatever. But they're a team that can be like kind of positively impacted by just like getting a solid player from like a bunch of different spots yeah for sure we'll see where they go but i got the vikings for the next pick uh we'll see where they have to go on the actual one but for me uh they're kind of in need of a defensive lineman type deal maybe some well that's what they need definitely is just defense in general so i'm gonna have to go with mm, this one's kind of tough because i'm not really sure uh Cause I like him as a player, but I'm not sure if he'd be able to fit that type of situation, especially the conference. But I think he'd be doing pretty good, especially seeing. I'm gonna have to go with Jordan Davis, uh, Georgia. Whoa, okay. I like where he's. I like the. I like the, especially the division that they're in with the Lions and with the Bears and stuff like that. It's not a division that has these crazy contenders or anything like that. You're gonna have a kind of a depleted Packers team that you're gonna be going up against, and for him to just be the absolute specimen that he is, guy's insanely huge. Like he's not gonna be moved around. Like he's in, he's ridiculously fast. He ran what a five, four forty. Right,
0: um, or five, or wait, four. Was it four? Eight? Yeah, four eight eight or four? four nine. Yeah, dude. But I mean, for how big he for is, for you to be three hundred sixty pounds, ridiculous. six
1: six to be moving like that—that's a freight train. You're not going to be able to move any of that out of the way when he's going in. So I think for him to be kind of moved to interior defensive lineman is going to be the right move, and that's what Minnesota needs, and they're going to be really blessed if they can get him because he's going to be a talent. Who I think, especially with the build that he has coming out of college and how strong he is, that's going to be solid for the and especially for him to get into an NFL weight room, he's just going to get that much better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 13, the Houston Texans uh, need almost anything um, in this spot. Um, from what I've Anything heard, and everything. Yeah, you know. literally. Uh, I think they're in a good spot here um, where you got a lot of options uh, overall. And, I mean, there's a lot of good players still on the board. I think in this situation with the board playing out, there's two guys that I'm debating with here and that's Jamison Williams and Trent McDuffie at the cornerback spot. I know Derek Stingley's still on the board, but I'm going to I'm gonna give a gift to Joe uh, if he can catch up on it. Or maybe I'll just have to pull the trigger for another team. But uh, I think you look at a spot where they're going to be looking at Derek Stingley there. They might be asking questions um, if he's still on the board. But, I mean, he's still, he's still great. And I think really the only thing that's really having him drop is the best ability in the NFL is availability, right? And a guy coming in injured is definitely going to bring up some red flags. So I think if you're the Texans, you get a wide receiver um, to get – your offense to be able to score because honestly, that was really one of their problems last year. Is they had to let defenses give up points um, to score overall, and you can't do that in this league and be successful. So, you have Brandon Cooks, you have a speedster, you got Nico Collins um, as a big possession guy out of Michigan. So, really, all I see is um, speed and route running ability. And I mean, obviously, Drake London on the board, I think that's a slam dunk for them. So, I'm going to take him out of USC, arguably the best receiver in this class for good reason. Uh, I mean, he's a fantastic player, and I think that there's definitely some good things that you can see from him as far as being able to run, route run, whoa, I can't speak, route run, and be able to use your speed to avoid tacklers. So Drake London to 14, I think, is an abs or 13 to the Texans is an absolute gift for Houston.
1: True. and Like you said, Houston needs everything. Like yeah, Houston's literally. Like Houston's in shambles at yeah. the moment, so we'll see where they go. Uh I got Baltimore for the next pick, pick fourteen. Uh they're on a six game they were on a six game losing streak to finish out the season. So we're they were off. in desperate need to get some wins, especially going back to this home crowd. You know, they got Lamar and they got a pretty solid offense, so the defense is basically all that they need to really make a difference here. The crappy part is, though, is that there's not a whole lot of other cornerbacks that I like to take here. And uh, I think at this point, especially in the real draft, I think a lot more of the edge rushers that they need uh, will get taken, too. So they're kind of going to have to—I feel like if they want to fill those spots, they're going to have to take somebody who's not going to be like— I I don't think they're going to like make an immediate impact, but the person I think is going to—the person that I'm going to pick, I think, can really develop into a really solid player. I'm gonna go with Andrew Booth out of Clemson. Uh, I lo- the one thing, the one bad thing is, is that he did give up a good amount of catches uh, this year for however many targets there were. However, he held them to a pretty low amount of yards. Uh, I mean, it was also his first year as a starter, so I think he honestly, I think he's a little bit premature going into the draft. But I think if you give him the right development and find, and especially with Coach Harbaugh and stuff like that, he's able to get players who can develop uh, which is going to be the big thing so I think Andrew Booth is going to be a solid pick he's not going to make the immediate impact but I think with training camp and especially after his first year he's going to be a guy who's going to be like oh that was a terrible pick but then second or third year comes around he's going to develop into a fruitful cornerback in the NFL
0: yeah, that's a very interesting pick. And a very interesting pick. I like Andrew Booth as a player. I think he's going to be a really solid player uh, in the NFL. Uh, 15, the Eagles. This is where it's going to be interesting because i got to try to read Joe's mind on what he wants to do at 18 so I don't try to copy him or I just steal from him, either one. Uh, I think you look at offense. I mean, I think really the Eagles are in a spot where really it's – I think you're looking outsides. So I think you're looking receiver and DB overall. I think this is too hard to pass up. I really do think it's too much to pass up. Jameson Williams, pair him up with Devontae Smith. Uh, they've lost a lot of value receiver. I think that's a good spot for them uh, to be able to pick up. Because uh, right now they're looking at Devontae Smith, Jalen Rieger, Greg Ward, Zach Pascal, and Quez Watkins. Yeah, hmm. crickets. That's how bad this offense has been for receiving over the last couple years. You have Dallas Goddard. You got rid of Zach Ertz. You need guys that Jalen Hurts could throw the football to. And why not guys that he's familiar with? James Williams and Devontae Smith. I think it's a home run for them. I think they can address their other need later on the next couple of picks. Mm-hmm. So, 16 for the New Orleans Saints, Joe. Is yeah, this time for 16 for the New
1: Orleans Saints coming from Indianapolis, or at least the pick, not the person I'm choosing. Uh, I don't know, because the weird thing is, is like people are saying, oh, the Saints need a quarterback, Saints need a quarterback. If you look at the quarterback room, it's Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, and Andy Dalton. Yeah. So four guys who – Taysom Hill is all right. Like, I don't know if he's going to be the starter or anything. But you got four, three other guys who I don't know if they are starter material. So they could go to the quarterback if they really wanted to. I don't know why they would uh, because they have so many spaces that they kind of ha- need to fix already. I think I'm going to go with probably a wide receiver here. So we'll see where I go. Uh, I think – I don't think he's been picked yet. Hopefully he hasn't. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chris Olave. Yeah, I good think, because he Great. was a guy who uh, you know really tore up on o- Ohio State this year. He played really solid, had some pretty big games, and Ohio State has been able to produce some really solid receivers. And when you look at his ability to you know especially tightrope catches and when catches need to be made over people, as well as when you're in a tight space and you know he's in the back corner of the end zone. No, nine times out of ten, even if you put two guys on him, he's going to come down with two to- with two toes down. He's going to get the catch to count. So I think that's going to be the important part. They can probably fix the uh, quarterback situation over the offseason, kind of figure that out. They'll be able to find a starter there. I don't know if Andy Dalton's going to be the choice. Ian Book might make a surprise, but I think Jameis Winston's going to get the call. But I I mean Jameis Winston is no no stranger to throwing touchdowns. It's just as long as he can kind of keep his interceptions down as well. So Chris Olave to the Saints for the I gotta remember sixteenth pick.
0: I love it. That is beautiful. What a great pick. I think he's a great fit uh, in New Orleans. That leads me to the 17th pick here on the second half. We'll speed things up here a little bit. Uh, The Chargers, uh, to me, the first couple things that come out. uh, Receiver, uh, you could use a little bit more bolstering, but I think you're going to hold off just a little bit. I think you're going to hold off just a little bit. You have Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. Jalen Guyton and Joshua Palmer are great third and fourth options. They are fantastic Then they also brought DeAndre Carter in from Washington so I think they're okay I don't I think you can I think you can put the pawns on taking a receiver right away and if they were going to take one I think it's a lot of it because I think he fits better uh, than Garrett Wilson but I think this is oh my goodness this is perfect this is a perfect situation uh, and I was actually leaving Derek Stingley for him to take with the Eagles but sorry Joe I'm gonna have to steal him right here because he's still on the board giving the Chargers Derek Stingley with Asante Samuel J.C. Jackson Derwin James you're in the almost the perfect spot, really, and this is what you need to be able to go up against the Raiders, the Chiefs, and being able to go against that pass offense that's now developing in Denver. I think this is the perfect situation for them to be able to load up on corners. Yeah, I know that they're a little bit of a 4-3 dominant team, so they're going to be trying to rush the passer, and they're not going to have as many guys to get out there. But I think you're in a, a, a three-four. Excuse me, not for, not four-three. Uh, I think you're in a good spot where you can be able to to flex that out a little bit. You have Khalil Mack and Kenneth or Kenneth Murray that can play those outside backer posi- or inside men outside backer positions, and you got Joey Bosa. I think this is a perfect fit for them because now they got all their bases covered on defense, and that offense has enough talent to win games. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Who'd you pick with the other Eagles pick? Again? So the Eagles pick, I took originally Jamison Williams. And I was wondering if you were gonna take Stingley on the go around, but I kinda changed my mind and screwed you over. But there yeah. is also another good corner that they could take in this spot as well. Yeah, that is true. That is
1: true. Uh
0: here's the thing though.
1: I kinda wanna go with another wide receiver. Oh my god. I don't know. I just oh a feeling gracious. That. I think you're not if gonna you, do it. I think if you make a wide receiver room that's just as ridiculous, I think you can compare that really well with Jalen Hurts. Um I don't know. I, it's, it, I don't think you're really expecting who I'm gonna pick here. I don't at all I, based I don't off think what you're seeing. I don't think he do. Don't he'd do say, it. Okay, now a lot of people are gonna say, like, don't Joe, why it. are you taking this person? Don't that, do not it. Not gonna make sense. All the intang- he has got the intangibles, but the stats that like are kind of set in stone. What needs to be a wide receiver? You're gonna not do it. All there. Who do you think I'm gonna pick? Garrett Wilson. Nope. I'm gonna go with Sky Moore, the what? Bronco out of Western what? Michigan. Oh my! You no, know, he gracious. may be five ten. He's a pretty big guy. He's he's 200 pounds. He's got crazy wow. footwork. He's shifty when it comes to the open field. 26 broken tackles this year. And I think when you get to that point and when you have a guy who can get out of tackles and get extra yards after contact, that's what you're going to need. And the greatest part is you already have Devontae Smith. So Moore doesn't have to be the number one guy when he come right, right when he gets to the training camp. He can develop behind those guys. He can develop, too, with Jalen Hurts who can help him out with some of that stuff, too, because Jalen Hurts to the open field in college was pretty shifty as well. So I think this is going to be the perfect situation especially with Devontae being there especially with Jamison probably going to get picked before. For me I feel like this would be a pretty good situation because then they'd be pretty set with that wide receiver room. So we'll see what they go. But Sky Moore
0: I don't know. I just like him. Wow and that was something I did not expect. That's you can
1: count on me for these mock drafts. I pick you're, people who you're you don't You're darn really right. About.
0: I can never expect who you're going to pick and that's why I love these mock drafts so much Joe. Oh so, so good. Uh, Saints on deck 19. Uh, they're in the another unique position where they had an earlier pick at 16, where Joe had the privilege of taking Chris Olave um, to fill that wide receiver need. So now I think you look in a position where uh, I think really the only thing that really stands out to me, um, I, I mean, Ryan Ramscheck's getting up there in age as well as James Hurst isn't probably your best spot um, at tackle. So I think I'm going to address that. And you know what? You want me to stay in the state? I'm going to stay in the state. Bernard Raymond, Central Michigan tackle, fantastic prospect. He's got all the needs that you would want out of a tackle. He's got the size. And he was also playing tight end. So he has that flexibility um, to be able to get out on the edge and being able to block, uh, especially on spread runs that you're going to be wanting to use with Alvin Kamara. So I think that's a good pick for them. Uh, Maybe not necessarily as high of a name overall on this draft board, but I think he fits the need right now. And there's no question, though, Saints like to pick players from Michigan. They picked Ruiz a couple years ago. Why not pick Raymond this time around?
1: That is true. That's a good pick. All right, so I got number 20, Pittsburgh. They have some needs. RIP at Dwayne Haskins. What a situation that just kind of left them. It's they did need a quarterback before all that tragedy happened, though, so I think I'm going to go with a quarterback anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Corral. I think he's going to be a pretty solid situation there. I, to be honest, before Dwayne Haskins passed away, I thought he was going to be able to win the starting spot from him and kind of develop into a fruitful quarterback in the league. However, uh, fate just had different problems. So he. That's just a terrible situation, honestly. But I think they're probably going to go with Matt Corral. They were looking for a quarterback anyways, and some of the speculation for a lot of these mock drafts are putting a quarterback there too. And I think Corral, especially with his attitude uh, later on in the season when he decided to play in that uh in that postseason game uh, for that bowl game uh, when a lot of other players decided to sit out to kind of save that draft stock he played, got injured, but I think that speaks a lot for his attitude and his ability to be a leader on the team. So I think that's what the Steelers need, especially now that they have that longtime leader and Ben Roethlisberger gone as well, retiring last year. I think this is going to be a good spot for them to pick Matt Corral. at yeah,
0: twenty, really solid pick. I think the perfect, or I think what everybody would want is them to tr- either trade up and get Matt or Matt Carell, uh to get uh, Malik Willis or even Kenny Pickett. But Matt is still a fantastic prospect. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you're going to be wrong with any of those quarterbacks. I think that's kind of sure. like when
1: the when the Pats took Mac Jones. People are like, he's not the best, but I think.
0: Coachable wise and development wise, he's got the most potential. Yeah, yeah, and I think the leadership too. The fact he played in that bowl game, I think, speaks more for itself for sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, twenty one, the New England Patriots. Uh, short and sweet. This one's too good. Fit perfect. Nickobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. I think fits that perfectly in Belichick's scheme. He's very versatile. He's got a lot of great things that you'd want out of a linebacker, um, especially somebody with that you know, is a little bit shorter, but overall. I mean, the fact is he can get outside and stop the run. He was one of the leaders in tackles for loss last year and still has the the powerful ability to knock the football out. And if you're the Patriots, you're going to need the ball as much as you can to score um, with that offense still being young. So, Nicobe Dean, great pick, I think, for them overall.
1: Yeah, that's a solid pick, solid pick. All right, so I got uh, next one. I got the Packers at, uh, tw- what is it, 22, getting the pick from Las Vegas. Man. They need a wide receiver and they need just somebody who can catch the ball because <laughs> they decided to trade away uh their only wide receiver they had left for Aaron Rodgers who just signed back to basically retire with him. So we'll see what happens with that. But getting a wide receiver for them is very important. But the thing is getting a wide receiver who can develop fast and can make that starting spot because if they don't, people are going to just be all, Packers fans are going to be all up in arms. So I'm going to go with a wide receiver for this one. The tough part is who? Who are we going to go with? The tough part then the tough part about it is, is a lot of players have already been taken. However, I think this one's gonna be pretty solid. Um I'm gonna go with Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Ah, yes. uh, he played pretty solid. He's got, you know, the height, he's got the weight, and he's gonna be able to do pretty well with that. Uh he did pretty solid for uh the forty. He's got a four or five, so a little bit slower, but I think still just getting somebody in that situation to be somewhat of a playmaker is gonna be important. So I'm gonna go with him. Uh, for the package choice.
0: Yeah, and I think not necessarily, like he doesn't have pure speed, but his acceleration is great, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you'd want um for a, for a guy potentially that's going to be replacing Devonte Adams is a guy that is versatile. Because yeah. if he can get space off the line, Aaron Rodgers will hit him all day. Exactly, one hundred percent. They don't need to get home. I mean,
1: they don't need to get crazy far touchdowns. I mean, he's a fourth quarter specialist anyway, so you yeah. just need to get him near
0: the sideline. Yeah, for sure. So I like that pick. I like that pick. Uh, Arizona. Uh need a, They do not need a receiver in my book. I think that they are just fine with where they're at right now. The one thing I think that they do need, um, and especially looking at the board, I think this supports this uh, overall, is I think that you're going to be looking potentially at getting a corner. And I think with Trent McDuffie still there, I think I'm going to take him. He's not the perfect fit, I would say, um, in that scheme because, I mean, I think he's definitely a guy that... Um, is going to definitely be needing a lot of technique just to make up for his size. Um, but I think you're in a position now where I think you can make a lot of good picks moving forward where I think you're comfortable with where you are. You, well, you got to get Kyler Murray contract first. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you're just really looking for pieces as backups as well. And I think McDuffie's a good prospect that you can really kind of, uh, be able to develop, and I think that I mean I think the biggest mo for him is like he plays bigger than he is, and I think with his big pipe, big play making ability and his ability to break up the pass, I think he's going to be okay in those situations. And he's a very flexible player as well, so I think that he fits well in Arizona.
1: Mm-hmm. I like him too. That's a pretty solid. Uh... Pretty solid, not going to lie. I like that pick. Um, Okay, so I got the next one. Uh Who is it? Dallas at 24. America's team. America's, America's team. America's team needs some defense. Let me tell you that much. They <laughs> need basically a lot of stuff. And, I mean, they got – because, like, when you look at, like, a lot of, like, the speculation and stuff, they are saying, you know, maybe they can go wide receiver here. Maybe they can kind of help that offense. But why would you? I mean, you got Dak, you got – Zeke, you got C.D. Lamb, you got the ability to do that. You just need a defense to kind of build on that and give them a little bit more cushion when the offense goes to work. So I think, you know, a lot of people, too, are saying, like, maybe it's kind of start with the line, try to go with the edge rusher, go with the outside linebacker. I think the choice is pretty, for me at least, I would want to go with a safety here uh, for somebody who can kind of keep that no-fly zone and kind of uh, make that deep ball a little bit less of an option for those opposing offenses. So I'm going to go with out of Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton, uh, the safety.
0: Wait, what? Kyle Hamilton? I you pick, picked him.
1: Oh my gosh! Oh, pff, unfortunate, oh, unfortunate. No. Well, you know who I'm gonna go with anyways. Then I'm gonna go with Dixon out of Michigan. Wow. Just tossing no name. Wow. just gonna toss a name out there. Okay. Because the I don't know. Ham- I would.
0: When you pick Hamilton? Ah, I picked him like 12 uh, to Wash or 11 uh, to that's Washington. Why. That's why. And he's got to scroll up on the. I was trying to athlete. write.
1: I was trying to write stuff down, but I must have missed that one because uh, I, it's all I was trying to write. Anyways, yeah, Dixon out of Michigan. He played pretty solid. He was able to hold a lot of teams, I think, to some pretty low, uh, low, kind of passing abilities and stuff. And Michigan defense was number almost number one in the country for a reason. So I think he's gonna be pretty solid for them, especially seeing that like their defense was able to have a good amount of. It's just that like their defense lost them a lot of games more than their offense won them a lot of games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think if they kind of build on that, especially with the pa- are trying to get their passing defense up a little bit, it's going to be important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um. So that leaves me with the Buffalo Bills at 25. I think you definitely look at defensive line here. I think Jordan Davis, if he falls that far, is a beautiful pick for them. But you know what? I'm going rogue. Off with the rules. You know what this team really needs and that they really should do? They should get a stud four-down running back. Inject Kenneth Walker into Buffalo Mafia Bills Nation. Please get Kenneth Walker to Buffalo. I don't care if you do it in the first round. I think he would be an awesome fit in Buffalo. I could see more of a second-round pick overall from him, but... This is our mock draft, so why not? Kenneth Walker to Buffalo would make this team unstoppable, and I want to see that because this Buffalo team deserves it, and they are a fantastic franchise moving forward It's where they are overall with their talent. So give me Kenneth Walker to the Buffalo Bills at 25 because why not?
1: Mm-hmm. I respect it. I respect the choice. I'm excited. I don't know. I'm excited to see what they do, especially seeing that they were able to go deep. I think Kenneth Walker is going to be really solid because it's going to give them another opportunity for uh, uh, development and just kind of making that offense a little bit more scary, especially if you kind of get those situations where it was like uh, against the Pats that one time where they had, you know, those. What was it, 50, 60-mile-an-hour winds? And it was like one degree. Yeah, Kenneth that, Walker's used to it, man. He's, yeah, he, he played in Michigan. He played in those cold games. He's, he's used to it. So I think that's going to be a solid choice for him, especially late season, I think, too, because he's his ability to make some plays is really impressive. But I got number 26, Tennessee. Who am I going to go with, Brandon? I will tell you. He's going to be a linebacker. That's what they kind of need, especially seeing that their offense has been pretty solid. It's just the defense, again, has fallen victim to uh, the defense kind of losing them some games. I'm going to go with Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Cincinnati was pretty solid, at, or they're I think fourth in rushing. I think, or, or fourth in rushing defense in the country, which is incredibly uh, impressive. And I think he, and he was one of the main reasons why they were. He's able to plug up those holes, and he's able to get some pretty solid pass rushing uh, abilities in there as well.
0: Awesome. I think that's a really good pick. Uh, I got the ch- I got the all- almost champion Buccaneers now with Tom Brady. Buccaneers. Spoiler oh, alert. Um, I think O-line, you need some depth. I think that's really a primary need for them. And Tyler Limbaugh, still on the board. So I'm going to take him out of Iowa here um, to give to Tampa. Uh, I think that's a good spot for them. Uh, I think especially the fact that they've been moving uh, centers around, I think can definitely bring him some full versatility within that offensive line as well. So there you go. Tyler Lindbaum, former Big Ten man, now joining other former Big Ten man in Tom Brady, potentially giving him the football under center. So there you go. I like
1: it. I like it. Pretty sharp. No. All right. So, so, all right. Green Bay, number 28. Near the end of it, Brandon. We're kind of moving now. So, Green Bay, I'm going to stick with. Okay. So, people might say it's a bad choice, but I'm going to go with another wide receiver because I think that's. They just need to build up the wide receiver core, especially seeing that Aaron Rodgers has a couple more years there. <coughs> Excuse me. I got a little frog in my throat. I'm going to go with the Alabama man, John Meachie III. He's around two grade. People are saying that he's probably going to go early second round, but I think he's going to be a solid choice. A lot of the Alabama wide receivers have been able to be fruitful in the league, so I think if they choose him and, get, and kind of lock him up, I think that's going to be a really solid choice, especially seeing that they just need people who are able to catch the ball, and Alabama wide receivers are a different breed.
0: Now this is the draft that Aaron Rodgers wants. He should be listening to our podcast. You oh, want yeah. all the receivers in the world finally. Maybe the threatening actually did work. Maybe it did. Maybe Maybe it did. did. I don't know. Uh, Pick 29. um, The fact... I'm going to say this redundantly. Jermaine Johnson's still on the board. Holy mackerel, is that a steal for Kansas City. I completely forgot about the guy. He's a top 10 prospect, but we see slips happen all the time. And, of course that there will be one uh, on the opening night of the draft in round one. So perfect fit for them, I think, really. I'm uh, Maybe not as perfect fit as, like, it would obviously be, like, the Storytale Cinderella if this were would actually you, the case. Who'd you pick again? Uh, Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think with that, I think if you're Kansas City, I think you're sitting pretty, um, that you got Chris Jones, um, that you have a lot of those pass rushers, and now you got the depth interior for the defensive line. Um, I think... I want to say that they're going to work stuff out um, and get Tyron Matthew back. Otherwise, that I would be looking at the secondary. Um, And I think you could look at wide receiver here. Um, But I think a lot of the good ones, I think, that are already taken. And I don't think that they would, I don't think they'd fully be invested in George Pickens um, as much. And I think Garrett Wilson would be beautiful. But, I mean, you could also do that in the next pick. So, if you would like to, feel free. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> there you go. I was, I was trying to think of one, anyways. So it's kind of nice when you have two picks back to back. You can yeah, take you the next can two just players. Just go with it. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that leaves thirty-one. The Cincinnati Bungles, the almost Super Bowl champs. Um, t- oh, almost said Tampa Bay Bengals. I'm just gonna bypass the fact that I almost said that. Um, offensive line, really, I think is your only true that's, need. I. That's think. really it. Yeah, yeah. Especially
1: seeing like he. Burrow was like the most sacked quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's really the only thing that you can look. And I already got Lindenbaum off the board. Um, so that leaves me in a spot where do I try to flex a tackle or do I pick maybe an actual true guard or a true center? Um, so I think what I'm gonna do here is I'm actually gonna go with a guy that um is supposed to be picked later on overall, um, in this draft at the at the center position. And I, I don't think it's necessarily like a like a reach or anything, but I think it's in, in, you're in a position where I think you're okay to make this pick. I'm going to take Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Mm. Uh, I think he, he was really, oh, it's really a young, small college guy when he went to Davidson, um, and he played guard. Um, I think that he's a spot that I think he's really flexible because he did start at tackle in um, a couple games with Boston College as well. So I think that versatility, you know, I love versatility, Joe. Oh, so yeah. I think that fits well with the Cincinnati Bengals who have been banged up a lot with that offensive line. So being able to have a guy that can potentially play all three positions I think works out in your favor. So I'm going to give it to Zion Johnson. A little sleeper pick mm. at the end of round one. But I like it. That leaves the main event, the grand finale. The Detroit Lions, the Lions at 32. What are
1: going to do with this pick? I am a am a advocate for probably taking a quarterback here. All right. I've I'm saying this. They take don't need your guy. they don't need a quarterback. I think Brandon knows who I'm gonna choose here. Yes, take they your don't, guy. They don't necessarily need to draft him, but I think with his abilities and his potential, I think you gotta take him. Especially seeing he's got the he's got the build for a an NFL quarterback. He just gotta put some meat on his bones. Des, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. You got to take the guy. He was yeah, when he, they had to play Alabama, didn't have the greatest game, yes. but it's Alabama and yes. you're not, and you're on a not a power 5 school. So you kind of have to expect it, but I think if you give him a chance to learn from behind learn behind uh Jared Goff, who has been to a Super Bowl, who's been a you know a good quarterback. Like, I think that's going to be really solid, especially getting him to a weight room where he can put on some weight and be able to do that. He had a pretty solid 40 time, so he's got the ability to scramble and he's going to just be a fresh new look. And I think if you put him in, he's going to be able to have that attitude because when they win against Alabama, he he was ready to play and he was ready to, you know, make a statement. I mean, unfortunately, it's just Cincinnati. Like, you really can't do much, especially since, like, it's just Cincinnati versus Alabama, who has just freaks of nature on their team all the way through. But I think if you pick him, he's gonna be solid. he's got the already has the underdog underdog mentality he's got the he's got the grit that what that uh I can't even think the words right now he's got the grit that Dan Campbell wants.
0: yeah, I think that's absolutely. the important part. I would agree with that uh, and I think the biggest thing too i would th- I would love to pick also um as we we wrap up here and at the end of the show. We appreciate you guys' listening. uh the last thought I would have is this would be a perfect situation if he was actually to go to 34, obviously we're going to take him in here to emphasize that the line should take him. Cause I think it's a good pick. Cause then you also get the fifth year option. And I think that's a big thing with the sure. developing young quarterbacks. So I think that would be perfect situation 34. And I know what I would love to have is them potentially take a guy that would fall as a receiver wise, like a potential guy. Um, even, even one on the board, George Pickens is still on the board. I would love to have George Pickens in that receiver room as well. I mean, he was, he's an, awesome, awesome receiver as far as possession-wise, and that's really what the Lions need to me on paper, so obviously the draft isn't fully on paper, and me and Joe will obviously live with that when our mock draft goes completely trash to the hill, but you know what? We're gonna die on that hill, partner, because we know some things about football. We don't know everything, but we're at least know enough to give you guys the insights so we appreciate you listening in we appreciate all of you that have interacted with our mock drafts and there's been a lot of great picks that you guys have had on instagram as well so uh those were really cool to see your guys' thoughts as well and you can always do that by following us where joe instagram at the mvsp twitter at the mvsp youtube at the mvsp there you have it so thank you guys for tuning into our mock draft we'll be back later this week as well with all the fair state previews and more maybe nba talk we'll see but you'll have to just tune in. And until next time, take care, everybody.